In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie, and you are listening to Some Kind of Brown, powered by Last Out Media, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, our journeys to find our identities, reconnecting with ourselves and the communities we're a part of, all from a southern girl who's still trying to figure out things for herself. corner i guess if you listened to the announcement that i sent out on monday then you know that we are having a little fun today i am going to be having these little lightning bug sessions i want to call them it's kind of cheesy but i like it so what i want to do with these is kind of give us all these little bright spots in the insanity that is the world today. And I guess it kind of ties into the stories I'm going to share today, but they had me thinking and I was remembering, uh, I've been in nostalgia mode for a couple weeks and I was remembering how much I loved watching the fireflies when I was younger because we always had a bunch in hot springs. I don't know if that's just my childhood memories being lofty or whatever but I do remember sitting a lot of times on the porch or just in my window and watching all the fireflies right after the sun or right as the sun is setting it's one of those things those small little joys that has carried into my adult life and every time I see fireflies like my heart gets that warm nostalgic feeling and I kind of want to carry those little warmth that those little things that give you that warmth into the month and you know have this space this little peaceful moments just starting the month with good vibes don't need to go more than that i think a lot of the nostalgia that i've been feeling comes from the leaves changing here in michigan they did take a minute to start turning which is later than i'm used to having grown up in arkansas where actually i don't even know how to explain arkansas seasons because if you have been in arkansas or anywhere in the deep south you pretty much know that All the seasons are a joke. I really looked forward to fall and watching all of the trees change because in Arkansas, it's a much longer period of transition than it is here in Michigan. And Hot Springs, the town where I grew up, is a national park itself. So it's surrounded with mountains, very small mountains compared to the Rockies and the other mountain ranges that are in the Washita mountain range. But those will always be mountains to me. So that makes for some really spectacular views in the fall, especially. Before I get much deeper into it, I hope that you have your coffee and or tea. And if you do, let me know what you are drinking. I have chamomile and freshly grated ginger tea. And we're not going to talk about how many cups I've had or how many times this video has been attempted to record or how many times i've been oh my goodness english or how many times i've attempted to film this episode is this my first cup is it my 18th cup the world will never know so yes get cozy with me pull up a really soft blanket this is a gift from a friend mona lisa who has a channel on youtube but i will link into the description she has some really good content and her channel's kind of been blowing up lately check out her channel and give her a subscribe while while you get settled in 
Okay, so all of this nature talk and changing of the leaves is really integral to how I view my time in Arkansas. Not just because there's a lot of it, but because when I was young, a lot of my identity was kind of up in the air. And I wanted to share some of these stories because my nostalgia and feelings of watching the leaves change in Arkansas and how pretty that was kind of has had me in this very nostalgic mood. I've been thinking a lot about Arkansas and what about it I had good feelings about because we've shared and talked about the really rough things that happened to me in Arkansas, but still in my head there are all these really good experiences that I had. There were really formative experiences that helped me grow into the person I am now, that helped me at least get an idea of the person I wanted to become when I grew up. So I think this is a very unique, in a way, experience for people who grow up in a minority group or especially are mixed. Our home Unless we're lucky or just in a community that is very supportive, there are a lot of conflicting feelings about where we've grown up and the way people have seen us, especially in those formative years. And I know especially for myself that when I think about my time growing up, it almost feels like these very sharp shifts from good to bad, good to bad, between one moment and the next. And... Part of that, I think, is how the brain and memory works and the fact that as a kid, you only really take note of those experiences that are on the extreme, but it, it creates some very strange, conflicting feelings. I don't know if I will always, I don't know if I will ever look back at Arkansas and think of it as this really amazing, beautiful place. There's a lot of pain in history there that can't be erased in my mind. But part of life is seeing the good things in our circumstances. And sometimes that's taken to the extreme where you don't want to remember the bad things at all. But I think there's a balance between maybe what you choose to remember or what you take from an experience and that's easier said than done but I think it's good to talk about those good things that you remember as well as the bad because those things are just as important in your memories and your mind and how you see the world or act in the world. A lot of my identity as a very young child was kind of all over the place. I didn't know anything about race. I never paid attention to my skin or my cousin's skin. It wasn't something that was really brought up to us, obviously. I was like four and under. No one would say anything. But if you've listened for a while, you know, when I went to kindergarten, I encountered racism for the first time. And from then on out, that kind of started that very weird dichotomy of experiences. And I did not know what my identity was because it felt like something had been taken from me, but I didn't even know it was there before. So 
I don't really know how to describe it, but my identity was no longer something that was evident. I questioned where I came from. I questioned why my parents looked different. I questioned why that mattered to people. And the fact that, especially in 1996, what, six, seven, when I was in kindergarten and first grade, everything was so polarized as far as if you're black or you're white and which side of that identity you sit in. And I think I, while I wanted to feel like I belonged, a lot of my identity was built up around something else. That part of it is I have always had a really big draw to nature, especially as a child. I have loved animals and except for spiders, which you guys know from the announcement. This is the corner where I was terrified, but I generally love animals and plants and being in nature as much as I can, especially now. But I really look to nature as a place where I could really belong or where I felt like I didn't have to question myself. I remember sitting in a tree that I used to climb with my friend. It was a very large pine tree. I had to think about that because I always called them Christmas trees. That is an old habit that will never die. <laughs> but we used to climb up as high as we could. And I remember very vividly the feeling of the sticky sap on my fingers and how to avoid or trying to avoid the pine needles when I was climbing. But I used to go higher than anyone, half on purpose and half because I like to see out. And sitting in the tree was just this magical feeling. I could feel the tree swaying because I was up pretty high. I did get in trouble for that a couple times, but Ben stopped me. I could feel the wind and swaying there, and it just felt like this quiet moment. And I didn't really have any kind of sophistication of language, but I always wanted to be in those kinds of places when I was upset. I wanted to sit in the tree. I wanted to sit by an actual Christmas tree that was beside the house, which I'll circle back to. And that's where I really felt like I belonged. If I couldn't find a group of people that I belonged to, at least I would always belong to the earth. And I didn't really, again, have that sophistication of language to understand what I was really feeling or how I came to that conclusion, really. I just know that that was a really strong force when I was very young. And while... Disney movies have a horrible track record, and the story of Pocahontas is truly horrifying. I had, like, three Disney princesses that I used to look up to, which I talked about a long time ago, way long ago, in the first couple episodes, but I had three costumes. I thought they were all the same, Jasmine, Pocahontas, and Mulan, but... Pocahontas had a lot to do with how I initially framed my identity because not only were they a mixed, I don't even want to say couple, or they, they were both displayed, portrayed as a mixed couple. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Anyway, as a mixed couple and Pocahontas had this free spirit where she felt like she didn't belong and Yes, 
it's that not like other girls, but I wasn't even old enough for that. It was just I didn't feel like I belonged in my family, that people saw in me something I couldn't see that showed them that I didn't belong. But I loved being in the trees. I loved being in nature. And then watching Pocahontas, I remember being extremely excited and drawn to her because she held her, she interacted with nature in the way that I wanted to. I don't know because of the nature of memories when it was that my cousin Butch and his wife came to visit me. Butch is my cousin who is Cherokee and Mississippi band of Choctaw. He came when I was very young and in the short time that he was visiting us, he talked to me a lot about our place in the world and relationship with the earth and speaking to our ancestors and just trying to be as connected as possible. And he wasn't here very long or he wasn't with us for very long on that trip. He's still alive. <laughs> but that really resonated with me. And I don't know if it was because I didn't feel like I belonged because of the things I was going through at school or if that was just something that fell in place later because, again, I was very young and chronological order is kind of hard. But while I kind of felt torn between my whiteness and my blackness, that stayed with me because that was something I felt no one could question or take away from me. I don't know how. That is just something I was really, for some reason, confident about. And I think it might have something to do with the way I look not and how big of a deal people made about the fact that I didn't look entirely white and I didn't look entirely black. But I did kind of look native, so I think that's partially why I never really questioned that part of my identity. Like I said, nature was where I came home. We were separated from my native family and unfortunately separated from both sides of my family for much of my teenage years. So I always felt at home with the earth, this deep sense of belonging. And there are some really interesting, I guess, stories that have stemmed from this. My parents used to call me a tree hugger. Uh, they still do kind of sometimes, but I don't talk to my dad as much, and he was the one who really picked on me for that. But from a very young age, I was very distressed from the killing of animals or uh, even pulling bark off a tree. I remember getting extremely mad at my brother for pulling the bark off the trees because they were hurting the tree. I guess I was growing up in kind of one of the most perfect places to feel this close to nature. It was the kind of place where bears were filmed in people's backyards, which is a little scary in retrospect. I remember looking out of my window when I worked for the church downtown and saw deer on the side of the mountain where my office faced a wolf, a couple wolves that were very hungry, which is the only reason why they come down. There is a plethora of dangerous animals and insects and I almost called snakes arachnids, reptiles, that's the word. We're going to pretend that didn't happen. 
in reptiles. But I don't know. Like it was, it's a very alive place. Also, if you're bored, if you want to look up some amazing waterfalls and lakes, Hot Springs has that too because they're actually hot springs and that's why it's called that. But uh, there's this whole website devoted to, I think it's a website, to hidden waterfalls that you can find there when you go hiking. That part of Arkansas I'm extremely grateful for. While my parents used my particular feelings about plants and animals against me, especially in the case of a missionary who tricked me into eating deer meat. It made me cry at like 15. Which is another story I'm sure I could tell if anyone wants to hear it. But there are a few pictures where my my parents have taken pictures of me making me hug a tree. That was a nickname that I suppose I kind of earned. And from my earliest years, there have been a few things that I've been very sensitive to. One of those things was earthworms, of all things. I used to see them. I remember looking at the ones that had dried on the driveway and feeling really sad for them and really regretting that I didn't see them in time to save them. So I kind of made a promise that I would like look on the ground anytime I was out of the car, going to the car, no matter where I was, and make sure there weren't any earthworms. And so I'd pick them up if I did find them and throw them into the grass. And that is something I do to this day. There were times where I would put like a leaf on top of the grass so that the birds wouldn't get to it as it was trying to get back down. I don't know. I don't know why that was and still is such a thing for me. But I will always get the earthworm off the gravel or whatever as long as it's not grass and I find it. I don't know it seems like a silly thing to talk about but I would feel really guilty if I didn't continue to do it but I remember because especially worms come out of the ground when it's about to rain I think or just starting to rain especially if there's a thunderstorm I do know that for sure and hot springs has the most spectacular thunderstorms Unless you are afraid of thunderstorms, in which case I would say stay clear in the spring. I remember begging my mom to go out in the rain. That was such an amazing feeling. I still do it sometimes. I don't know. It's nice to go out and feel the rain on you. A little deterred from it. Living in a city now, because I know how rain picks up stuff from the air. But... Sometimes I try to forget that and go out in the rain anyway. (laughs) So I would go out to the rain and we lived on this house in a really, really steep hill. And at the bottom, there was a storm drain. So we get like these foot long or foot wide, like rivers. I used to call them rivers. Kids, sophistication of language when it rains because it always flooded. But I would sit at the end of the driveway. And either with a stick, depending on if it was too wide for me to be able to reach, or with my hands, pluck the worms out of the water and throw them onto the grass at the bottom of the driveway so that they would live. You know how you remember those or you have those feelings when you remember something for your childhood 
or you watch a show that you used to love and you get those same feelings back, I remember the urgency that I had and the absolute horror I felt at the idea of like going into the storm drain, which is also dark like the earth. Couldn't tell you what I was thinking, but I didn't want them to drown. <laughs> Do worms drown? Probably not, but good luck telling seven-year-old me that worms don't drown. So my parents, when they caught me doing that, I would get in a lot of trouble, but they never really <laughs> understood why I would do that. Um, they tried to dissuade me in some certain ways, but you know what? There are earthworm great-grandchildren that are here because I put them back in the grass. <laughs> I always had trouble, too. I guess it's kind of the same in the same vein. I had a lot of difficulty in understanding death. I mean... <laughs> what kid doesn't go through it trying to understand death but in particular like plants dying or having plants in the house and then what happens to them after they die and I guess I lost my first family member and went to my first funeral when I was five which I don't remember but I do remember my grandmother's funeral when I was seven so I did have somewhat of a context for death but I I didn't know or was very uncomfortable with what happened to the things we use after we're done with them especially if they're plants i developed an aversion to picking flowers i used to pick a lot of dan uh, daffodils because i love daffodils i still have a soft spot for them i also liked red spider lilies that are still my favorite flower they are not a weed but as much as i love the red spider lilies and the daffodils they die once you pick them and bring them into the house. And that was really confusing for me, I guess. I didn't understand the ramifications of what it would mean to pick flowers. And I, I know it's one of those little things that probably is a ridiculous thing to worry about, but I really didn't like it. And so I stopped picking flowers from our yard when I was very young and instead tried to cultivate them or like water them outside. I did not know how to take care of plants so it is highly possible that throwing my orange juice on some of the flowers would kill them but I'm hoping it didn't. This I guess really wasn't a big deal and it didn't really become disruptive I'd say. But the first thing that my parents really started noticing or that caused any kind of havoc in our house was how Christmas trees were. Uh, we would pick out live Christmas trees for a good part of my childhood. We did eventually go to fake trees, but we would pick the Christmas tree. And I remember driving home with it on top of the van and we'd have this live, beautiful, wonderful smelling tree in this little stand with water at the bottom. And we'd leave it up through Christmas, all the way through to the Epiphany in early January. And by then, a lot of times it had started to die. You can only keep a tree alive in like two inches of water for so long. And we would throw them into the woods right beside the house. One of the windows in my childhood bedroom, which faced that the woody section, I could see the Christmas trees 
And I remember distinctively being extremely upset that we had this tree that we had decorated so beautifully that it had been special and we treated it well in our house and we just threw it away when we were done with it. So my child mind, I would go and find really pretty leaves and rocks and whatever scraps of yarn or something that I could find and decorate the tree outside so that I could go see the tree and it would still feel pretty and loved. <laughs> Throughout my life, those kinds of things have stayed with me. I still feel twinges of that in my life. Mostly, I think it's just been realizing that nature isn't sacred to everyone, <laughs> and there are ways that I have not treated the earth as kindly or as I should, but all of that really came from this education and I know that it wasn't formal and I know that I didn't really have any kind of consistent mentor or teacher but it it was an education looking and noticing and being with the earth taught me a lot about myself that I didn't realize then entirely when I think back of Arkansas any time I was really in nature is one of those highlights whether it was swimming in the lakes, especially when it's storming, because that's safe, or bike riding with my brother, or just sitting on the log of a tree that fell right beside the Christmas tree when I was little. I learned a lot sitting by those Christmas trees, a lot about what I thought was important, a lot of my beliefs about life and now that I have been reconnecting with my Cherokee and Choctaw family it almost feels like things are falling into place like I had this base understanding of the earth and now there are all these expanded thoughts and beliefs and practices that I'm learning slowly but surely I wonder if people have similar experiences to this, whether it's through music or through thing you have that had that really tenuous bond to whatever part of your identity you had, how much that influenced your childhood or the way you saw yourself. Maybe you also grew up in nature and you felt like you belonged there first before you belonged in a community. I've been thinking a lot about that lately, especially in the context of learning medicine or trying to learn medicine and connecting with myself and learning to be at peace it mirrors a lot of the things I knew kind of instinctively as a kid and I'm trying to get back as an adult and there are moments where I really feel like I've grasped back onto that like when I went to a field with Emma in the spring yes it's when we gathered dandelions so we gathered some wild dandelions and had a picnic and we were just there lying on the blanket and hearing the wind and feeling and feeling the breeze feeling the sun on my skin looking at the field in front of us I felt a little bit of that connection again and I when when we're able to travel more I really miss powwows and I really miss being around my family and I hope that I'll be able to learn more and have these even stronger connections 
that I've been following for a very long time. I just wanted to really walk through that, both to share with you and to have that little moment to think back for myself as I'm trying to find places like that in my adult life. Life is a funny thing, and growing up mixed or in between worlds is even funnier. Looking back at those happy memories or those things that bolstered me is just as important as talking about the things that upset me and really tore me down. Reconnecting has been more remembering what I used to know and reaching out to people or being with people who also feel that connection. And while I do explore that and I reconnect to both that culture and that part of myself that really truly grew up connected, it's healing in a way. I didn't really anticipate looking back at my memories of a place that I don't generally speak well of. I didn't expect that to be a healing experience, but it's kind of starting to be. I won't ever really have really good opinions, I think, of Arkansas. Maybe I will. I can't say never. Never know what's going to happen in life. But I don't know. I like the mindset, I guess, that I've been in in the past couple weeks. And it's made me feel less disconnected with myself especially thinking that I still have the people or the me's that existed in the past inside of myself. Maybe that's a chronic illness thing or just what my very nostalgic brain is doing right now, but I wonder if you also have these kinds of experiences or things that you felt really drawn to. Let me know what is acting as little lights in your world right now, especially if you had any kind of experiences with trees or worms <laughs> in your childhood, please let me know so I don't feel crazy, I guess. But I hope this was peaceful for you to listen to. I know not all of it was entirely by definition positive, but I really do consider this a really good meditative exercise. I'm really excited to do this more, actually. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Some Kind of Brown or Kind of Natalie. And you can watch the podcast on the YouTube channel under my name, Natalie Evans. We have extra content on that channel as well, so be sure to subscribe for future videos. If you would like to support the show and be a part of our brownish family, I do have a Patreon where you can have access to ad-free episodes, some of our cool merch some surprise freebies now and then that I send out, and some behind-the-scenes bloopers or good conversational bits that don't make the final cut, but I think we can all get some enjoyment out of. If Patreon isn't your style, you can buy me a coffee through the link in the show notes or in the link tree on all the social media to make a one-time donation. And to help our colorful family grow, subscribe wherever you're listening and spread the word about this podcast. All your support helps me keep going especially after everything that's happened so far. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song, Love Life, and I'll see you later with some more Shades of Brown.